We are on Yevamos Tzaditas Amar Aleph 99a, towards the bottom, as we are beginning a new Mishnah. Uh, so I'm going to go a little bit out of order here. Uh, there's really two different parts to this Mishnah. There's the first half of the Mishnah and the second half of the Mishnah, and they're not really connected. And the Gemara's commentary in the first part of the Mishnah is just a few lines. So what we're going to do right now is just read the first part of the Mishnah, and uh, then read the Gemara. We'll skip the second half of the Mishnah in the beginning, and then we'll get back to the second half of the Mishnah. So again, we're discussing all these cases where the children get mixed up, and you don't know who is the mother, or who is, uh, you know, who's the father. You don't know who the parents are. And so we have the following case, Ha'isha Shenazari Vladib Vlad Kalasa. So you have parents, and they have, uh, they have a, a, a son who's also married, um, and so the parents and the the next generation couple, they both have a son, and the son got mixed up. So you don't know who is the son and who is the grandson, essentially. You don't know who the son is and who the grandson is, uh, because they both had children and they got mixed up. So So case number one in the first half of this Mishnah is, these, we don't know who the son is and who the grandson is, but they both get married, and they both die without children. So one of them is the son, and one of them is the grandson who died without children. And we know that uh, the grandparents, let's say, they have other boys. The uh, son who's married has other boys as well. And so there's a question of who does Yibam here, or who does Chalitza here? Uh, is anybody allowed to do Yibam in this case? Because you don't know if it's the relatives of the son, you don't know if it's the relatives of the grandson, because the son and the grandson got mixed up. So what, what should happen? So So the children, the other grandsons, they should do chalitza. They're not allowed to do yibam. Why? Because what's the relationship with the person who died? So we're not sure. But either it's the brother, and therefore it's a sister-in-law, and then he would be able to do yibam. However, the other, alter, the other option is that, no, it's not your brother, but it's, it's your father's brother. If it's your father's brother, you're not allowed to marry your father's brother's wife. You're not allowed to marry her. So therefore, you're not allowed to do Yibam because this is a questionable scenario. It's either your sister-in-law or your aunt, essentially. So you have to do Chalitza. You shouldn't do Yibam. Right? So they have to do Chalitza and not Yibam. They have to do Chalitza because maybe it's your sister-in-law. So you have to do Chalitza. However, when it comes to the actual children... Uh, so they are would be allowed to. They could either do chalitza or they could do yibam. Why? Because either it's their sister in law, or meaning their brother's wife, or it is their brother's son's wife. Uh, so it would be their brother's son's wife, uh, your niece through marriage, essentially. And a person is allowed to marry their niece. They're allowed to marry their niece through marriage, and so therefore the sons uh, would be allowed to the sons of that first generation couple. Uh, they would be allowed to do Yibam. It's their choice to do Yibam or Chalitza because either they're actually doing Yibam or even if they're not doing Yibam, at the end of the day, they are marrying their uh, nephew's wife, their niece. Um, and so therefore that would be allowed. Mesu um, Hachirim. What happens in the following scenario? You have the same case where the son and the grandson got mixed up. You don't know who the son is. You don't know who the grandson is. In this case, though, um, so then in this case, Mesu Hachirim is where the people who we know with certainty, they die. And we have two cases of that. Either other 
a different son died. So now what are the people who are questionable? These two people, we don't know who the son is, who the grandson is. What do they do if the son died? And what happens in a case where the grandson died without children and married without children? What do, they, what do the questionable people do? We don't, we're not sure who. We have these two people. One, one's the son, one's the grandson. We don't know which one's which. What do they do? So we have to deal with each case. What happens if you have a mixture, meaning we don't know who the son is, who the grandson is, vis-a-vis a son. So the son died. We know for sure that he's a son. He died. So then when it comes to uh, the two people who we're not sure about, they have to do chalitza and they're not allowed to do yibam. Why? Because either when it comes to these two people, either one of them is shusafik eshes achav, ve'eshes achiyaviv. One of them is actually a brother-in-law and sister-in-law relationship, but the other one ends up being a aunt relationship because the other one, we don't know which one's which, but one of them is a brother-in-law. The other one is uh, really a situation where it is your aunt. It's your, uh, because you're the grandson, it's your father's, your, your, your father's brother's wife, and that's, you can't do even two. So if uh, the son died, the son that we know for sure is the son, so then those who are, we're not sure about, they have to do chalitza. They cannot do yibam because it might be a case of yibam, but it might not be a case of yibam. It might be a case where it's your actual aunt and then it's forbidden to do to get married. That's if it's one of the sons who died. But if it's Lebanai HaKala, let's say one of the grandsons die. So then what are the people, the the, 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 the two people who were not sure one's the son, one's the grandson? So Echel Chol, it's Yabim. One of them has to do chalitza first. You first have to do chalitza because... Uh, maybe it is, a, maybe he's the actual brother-in-law, and then you would have to do chalitza. But the other one is allowed to do yibam. Why is the other one allowed to do yibam? Because once chalitza is done, so then what's taking place next is either this is actually yibam because the chalitza was wasn't done with the actual brother-in-law. You are the actual brother-in-law, and so therefore you would be allowed to do yibam. But if the chalitza was a good chalitza, meaning the chalitza already took place and that was done by the brother-in-law, so what are you? You are um, his father's brother, you're, you're his father's brother, marrying, um, right, uh, his, sorry, her, she, with regards to you, is her husband's father's brother, right? That, that would be the relationship between you and the woman. It would be her husband's father's brother. It would be a niece, and that would be through marriage, and that would be perfectly fine to get married to. So, if Chalitza already took place, so then you're just marrying her. If Chalitza never took place because that wasn't the brother-in-law, and you're the brother-in-law, so then you're doing Yibam, and that's also fine. So that's what would happen in that scenario if the actual grandson, somebody that we know dies, what are the people, the two people who we're not sure about, what do they do? Okay. Um, that is all the first half of the Mishnah. That is the first half of the Mishnah. There is a second half to the Mishnah, but we're going to skip that for now because there's just a few lines of Gemara that relate to this Mishnah. The Gemara says as follows, Mesu Aksherim, the Mishnah says that the Ksherim, those who are kosher, meaning it sounds like uh, they they have good lineage, those are the ones who died. What does that mean? The son and the grandson, they got mixed up. They're puzzle? They're, they're invalid? What, what does it mean that they're kosher? So we change it around. The Gemara says, Amar Papa, Havadam. It doesn't mean those who are kosher, uh, those who with good lineage, they died. It means those who we know with certainty. The ones that died, who we know with certainty, either it's for sure the son or for sure the grandson, the question is those who are questionable. We don't, we're not sure if they're brothers as uh, the brothers with the son or brothers with the grandson. That we don't know about. So it means that the people that for sure we know about, they died. So it's just explaining. 
Then the Gemara says, one more line, When it comes to the grandson, so one of the two questionable people does chalitza, because we're not sure. Uh, but the other one does yibam. So the Gemara says something that we've had earlier. The order is very much specific. It has, first, chalitza has to take place with one of these two questionable uh, people. We're not sure if it's the son or grandson. The other one, then afterwards, you could do yibam. But chalitza first has to take place. It has to be done first, because we want to make sure, because if you don't do chalitza first, you first do yibam. Well, maybe you're not actually the brother-in-law, and she still has this Zika connection. She's still connected through Zika. So you can't do that because she's now, let's say she's marrying somebody else uh, besides for her brother-in-law. So first you have to do Chalitza to make sure that, if that let's say that is the brother-in-law, Chalitza takes place. And then you can go ahead and then you can marry her. Either do Yibam because maybe you're the brother-in-law or actually marry her because it's your niece. But Chalitza has to take place first to get out of the prohibition of her marrying somebody when she already has Zika. Okay. That's what the Gemara says, and that's the entire commentary of the Gemara with regards to the first half of the Mishnah. Okay, so now part two of the Mishnah. Getting back to the Mishnah, we have part two of the Mishnah. New case, totally new case. It's still a case where kids get, get they get mixed up, but it's a totally new case. What's the case? Kohenes shenis ariv vlada bevlad shivchasa. So the case is as follows. We have... A family of Kohanim. We have a family of Kohanim. They have a son. The son's a Kohen. Fine. They also have uh, a maidservant. Uh, that maidservant has a child as well. And uh, that child is certainly not a Kohen. That child is not a Kohen. It's the child of the maidservant. And it's not a Kohen. What happens is, is that these two children, they get mixed up. We don't know who is the son of the Kohen. Who's the son of this Shifcha of the maidservant who is working for this family of Kohanim? So, what's the law? What happens? Do we view these children as Kohanim or not as Kohanim? So, before, uh, also the, the child of the, of the Shifcha, eventually she, that child will be freed. But let's say before you free the child, which, and then the child becomes Jewish, right now this child is the son of this maidservant. So, what happens? Number one is that they are allowed to eat Truma. Why are they allowed to eat Truma? Because what's the difference? If it's a Kohen, a Kohen, if it's the son of a Kohen, he's a Kohen, he's allowed to eat Truma. If he's the slave of a Kohen, because the, the maidservant has a child, ends up being the slave of a Kohen, this slave of a Kohen is also allowed to eat Truma. We said that you're allowed to give Truma to your slaves. You're allowed to give Truma to your slaves. Not only that, but uh, the Gemara will embellish on this, but they are allowed to, as long as both of them come together, uh, to receive their portion of truma, that is allowed. They're allowed to collect truma from the goren, um, from the, the harvest itself. They're allowed to collect, uh, and they're allowed to bring it home as long as they're both together. The Gemara will explain why is it that they have to be both be together, uh, but essentially uh, we want to make sure that people don't get confused and think that both of them are kohanim, uh, because that will be bad for the future. If we think that both of them are kohanim, it's not really true, so therefore they both have to come Together to get one portion. It's really they're getting one portion, but both of them are coming together. Furthermore, the both of them, because one of them is a Kohen, the other one is just a, a servant of a Kohen, but because one of them is a Kohen, they are not allowed to become uh, touch uh, and become impure through touching a dead person, a carcass, that they're not allowed to do. And also, in terms of who they're allowed to marry, who they're not allowed to marry, they take on essentially the stringencies and they're not allowed to get married. 
um, to somebody who is disqualified from marrying a Kohen. Because one's a Kohen, one's not a Kohen. Uh, therefore, we take on these stringencies, and therefore they cannot get married to both of them, because we don't know which one's which. They both are not allowed to get married to somebody who is not a Kohen. Okay. Explains the Mishnah further. The Mishnah now says, what happens if it follows? If they Once they get older, they get older, they reach the age of 13, and they each have to free each other. They basically each free each other. We don't know which one is the Kohen and the master, which one is the servant. So they have to free each other because we don't know. Now that they're freed, so now it's no longer a Kohen with a slave, but now one's a Kohen and one is a Yisrael. One is, they've joined into the Jewish people and they are a regular Yisrael. But we don't know which one's which. So we basically take on the stringencies of both the Kohen and the Yisrael, meaning as follows. It says as follows. Um... Number one is that they can only marry women, both of them can only marry women who are fit to marry a Kohen. And also, neither of them could become impure by touching. They're not allowed to uh, get close to uh, somebody who's dead. They can't go into a cemetery. However, let's say they do become impure, but each one can say that they're not a Kohen. So therefore, they don't get punished for it. Because one of them is the Yisrael, he's already freed, neither one of them could eat truma. But if they ate it, but if they ate it, so then they do not have to pay back the penalty. They don't have to pay back the penalty because maybe they are a Kohen and they're allowed to keep it, they're allowed to eat it. But So we say initially they're not allowed to eat it. If they happen to eat it, they don't have to pay back the fine of paying the, the amount itself plus uh uh, 20, 25%. We don't, we don't make them do that. Uh, Tosus does point out that they do have to separate truma uh, because they're not allowed to eat it. So when they, when they pay back, they do have to separate it as a form of forgiveness, as a form of kapara. Uh, for forgiveness, they do have to separate it. What else happens? They cannot go to the Goren to uh, receive truma because one of them is not a Kohen. And they, can, they cannot eat truma. Not only that, but they have the right to sell the truma. There's actually different versions here, whether or not they have the right to sell the truma. Some opinions say that they do not have the right to sell the truma. Other opinions say, other versions say that they do have the right to sell the truma because each one could claim that they're a Kohen. Uh, and so therefore it's really theirs, but they're not allowed to eat it. So they have the right to sell the truma and then collect on the value of that truma. They could collect on uh, the sale itself. Whatever they receive could be theirs. Furthermore, because we, they take, both of them take on the stringencies of being a Kohen, basically, they can't be involved in anything, any of the rewards of the Kachim, of the sacrifices, they do not receive. If, if they give their own sacrifice, which, uh, let's say, a chatas, a sin offering, um, so they don't have to specify who should bring it because maybe they are a Kohen. And in general, we just leave it for that, uh, that watch. Uh, whoever's involved in those two weeks, the Kohanim would have two weeks where they would serve in the temple. They don't have to give it to those people from the two weeks because they could say, I'm a Kohen, and they won't bring it themselves, but they could appoint whoever they want. Whoever they want, that would be, that would be allowed um, because maybe they are actually a Kohen. They do not receive the different gifts that Kohanim receive because we don't know if it's a Kohen or not a Kohen. From the Zroah, the Lachayim, the Kavah, they don't receive those, those, uh, those uh, rewards because maybe they're not a Kohen. 
Um, if they have a Bechor, if they have a firstborn animal, uh, so then because they might be a Kohen and therefore they could, they could use it, uh, we say that they, they are allowed to keep it uh, uh, in their property and wait till they get uh, some sort of blemish where you can't bring it as a Korban, you can't bring it as a sacrifice anymore. And finally, the mission says in the end, Essentially, the rule is, because we don't know whether they're a Kohen or whether they're a regular Yisrael, they take on the stringencies of both. We make sure that they take on the stringencies of both. And so therefore, uh, we have all these different rules which apply that, uh, you know, they, you can't assume they're a Kohen, you can't assume that they're Yisrael, but we'll take on the stringencies of both because we don't really know. Okay, the Gemara to this uh, we will... Uh, discuss in a short recording in uh, next time.